Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'd like to welcome you to Exponential Wisdom. And as always, one of my favorite activities throughout every quarter is having mind-busting conversations with Peter Diamandis because he's the most plugged-in individual on the planet when it comes to cutting-edge technology. And Peter, this is kind of a special, special week coming up, and it's been quite a long time in the making for you, and that is that you're going to announce the winner of a $10 million Qualcomm XPRIZE to someone who has created an actual tricorder, as most people became familiar with from Star Trek. So could you just talk about this? And for those who don't know about XPRIZE, just give them sort of the process that you introduced into the world sure, Dan. decades ago. Yeah, decades. It's fun, and good morning to you. So the XPRIZE is a global competition. And we say, you know, some things should exist, some piece of technology, some kind of capability that doesn't exist yet. And it's like, why doesn't it exist? Because no one in the government or no one in corporations or no foundation has actually brought this to life yet. And what the XPRIZE does is it's the world's largest crowdsourcing competition. And so back in 1996, the nine-year-old inside me says, I want a spaceship that can fly me and my friends into space. You know, I'm not going to get on the space shuttle. I'm not going to get any government vehicle. So long story short, it took me the better part of almost a decade to raise $10 million for the team who could build a private spaceship carrying three adults up into space. It was one in October of 2004 by Bert Rutan, backed by Paul Allen, and gave birth to the launch vehicle called Spaceship One. Richard Branson came along and got the rights to build Spaceship Two. There's a long story there, as you well know. But on the heels of the XPRIZE being won, the original XPRIZE, the $10 million Ansari XPRIZE for spaceflight, funded by the Ansari family, we said, you know, this is a pretty good model, this idea that you put up a very clear objective goal. And you say, here's a million dollars, $10 million, $30 million for the first team who builds or demonstrates this thing. And I don't care where you went to school, what you've ever done before, you solve this, you win. So ultimately, we have launched about $120 million worth of prizes since 2004. And one of the prizes that we're about to reward or award was a prize we launched four years ago called the $10 million Qualcomm Tricorder X Prize. Qualcomm is an amazing company that builds the chips and cell phones. I had gotten to know Paul Jacobs, who back then was a CEO, today is the executive chairman of Qualcomm. And we were having lunch, we we're both Trekkies, and we we're saying, you know, that device on Star Trek, that thing that, you know, you hold in your hand that Bones or Dr. McCoy or Spock used to use to diagnose people, that thing should exist. Mm -hmm. And what if we made an XPRIZE to bring about the birth of the tricorder? And by the way, tricorder, tri means three. You could record three things on your biology. Our XPRIZE is asking for you to record 15 different situations, your vitals, but also be able to diagnose up to a set of 15 different diseases. We announced that at CES four years ago, the Consumer Electronics Show on stage, We've had 300 plus teams enter that competition. 
we're announcing the top two finalists and award winners on April 12th. An important day, April 12th, for those of you who are space cadets. It's the anniversary of Yuri Gagarin, the first astronaut, cosmonaut, human to fly to space, and the first flight of the space shuttle back in 1981. So, yeah, 10 million bucks up for grabs. On other podcasts, we'll actually cover this. The uniquely different way that if you have hundreds of teams, each of them is going to come at the competition in a different way. They're going to pull together different capabilities. They're going to pull together different existing technologies to get to the finish line on this. One of the things that generates, quite apart from the prize-winning breakthrough, is an enormous amount of R&D that's useful in itself. And I think the number that you used with regard to the very first XPRIZE, the spaceship, was that although it was a $10 million prize, $400 million of R&D actually got developed that was useful in itself. So there's a whole ecological system of useful new ideas and useful techniques that get generated by the prize. So it's an incredibly reasonable way to go about having breakthroughs. When you know what you're hoping to achieve, like the very objective goal, like I want to build a spaceship that carries three adults and gets 100 Mm -hmm. kilometers, but don't know who could build it or what propulsion or rendezvous and navigation systems and so forth, you can challenge the world and let, in the case of the Ansari X Prize, 26 teams work on it. In the case of the Qualcomm Tricorder, 300 plus different teams. And so the Tricorder is interesting because we're going to be showing on April 12th, and you may be listening to this podcast after April 12th, mm-hmm. but I can't mm-hmm. reveal the details right now. Ultimately, the amount of money that these devices, and here's the important part, the Qualcomm tricorder devices that these teams are building, it's not for the doctor or for the nurse. It's for the mom or the dad to use at home at two o'clock in the morning. When they're sick or their kid is sick, it's a patient-centric. And so one of the parameters that is being measured is bluntly how easy it is to use. And that's pretty exciting. So I do think we're going to head very quickly towards a world where you don't go to the doctor's office anymore. You don't go to the hospital if you're not feeling well. You basically will use a tricorder or some variation of that. And all of the data flows to your AI, which looks at everything in context to your genome and your medical records and then says, aha, it's a virus, mm-hmm. drink some fluids, get some sleep, or it's something else. Yeah. Now we should go in and get you know more detailed testing. But that's coming. It's coming fast. Yeah, and one of the, the famous 6Ds formula that is really the basis for the thinking that you did in Abundance, that you did in the Bold Book, but also just the Abundance 360, our whole annual event, annual cycle that ends at the end of January every year. The big endpoint here is that this breakthrough should be democratized. So there's a price point that you're looking for that, yes, we will have this prize-winning solution and it will have enormous promise to it, but it only has enormous promise from an economic standpoint. It's virtually available to everyone. Yeah, I mean, basically the costs are pennies or tens of pennies on the dollar. And, you know, the beautiful thing about these devices eventually is it's at home, it saves time, as well as it's more accurate, as well as 
just giving you an answer very quickly so you're more likely to test. I mean, I also think about in the developing world, it's going to change the quality of life for people. You know, historically, if you were in a village and there was no medical help in that village, it might be a two-day walk to get to a village that has something like a healthcare worker. And even then, that healthcare worker has got very basic skills, maybe basic first aid mm -hmm. or a phone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's all going to change. Uh, we're heading towards a world where all healthcare is totally dematerialized and demonetized and democratized, where the diagnostic ability for the son or daughter of a billionaire or the son or daughter of a poorest person on the planet is the same, just the same way that Google really has completely leveled the playing field for information mm -hmm. around the world. Yeah. One of the things about this, and I'd like you to go a little further, is the AI component and just the extraordinary kind of diagnosis that would be available at the other end of the tricorder. And I'd like you to go into that because I was blown away in how a AI, an existing AI program, and we're not even talking about what's going to exist in the future, can take all the data related to particular issues and in a matter of seconds, it can give a diagnosis which is incredibly better than probably the best human expert in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's not even close. It's not even orders of magnitude. It's, you know, billions of fold times better. And it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, right? A human doctor, and I went to medical school years ago, and I don't ever <laughs> recommend anybody come to me for anything medically related. Yeah. But in the best of all circumstances, all that a physician can do when they're diagnosing you and looking at the data is search inside their own cortex of their own brain to look for something they happen to remember that matches the things that you have from their experience or what they've read. And a typical physician might read 0.001% of the journal publications in a year. And then the amount of data we can generate today is extraordinary, right? So, for example, someone who comes to HLI's health nucleus, where we sequence the 3.2 billion letters of your life, we sequence your microbes in your system, we look at your MRI data, we look at the chemicals in your bloodstream, and we're generating 150 gigabytes of data. And there's no human that can fathom that. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, an AI can look at your situation the readings it's getting from you, from your blood chemistry, your physiology, and look at it in the context of your genome and say, is there something that we should be familiar with? The other thing it can do is it can look at you in comparison to a million other people. Mm -hmm. So for example, this year, this 2016, this past year, IBM's Watson computer, mm -hmm. which is one of these large-scale AIs that's going into medicine, was able to save the life of a woman who had an undiagnosable cancer. No one could diagnose it. They didn't know what it was. IBM's Watson had ingested 20 million different cancer cases. And after it ingested that, it was able to look at the details around her and say, oh, it's this particular form of a leukemia and this is the specific treatment for you mm -hmm. and that diagnosis saved her life mm -hmm. but it was just that level of detail that was not doable by a mortal human yeah 
Just to switch the topic a little bit and go in another direction, I want to talk about what it's like for you to go through one of these contests. Hmm. So is there any point during the contest when you think, oh, we're not going to pull it off? So when we design an XPRIZE, and by the way, everybody listening can create their own XPRIZE. We actually created a platform called HeroX. Mm-hmm. Christian Cattaccini, who is the CEO of HeroX, is an amazing CEO. If you just go to H-E-R-O, HeroX.com, one word, you'll see it. And you can run a $1,000 prize, a $100,000 prize. We've got companies like Coca-Cola and Facebook running million-dollar prizes. Unlike XPRIZE, in which you, a prize sponsor, can't keep the Mm -hmm. intellectual property rights, in HeroX, you can license it, you can keep the intellectual property rights, whatever you want. But we go through a process of designing a prize, which is a difficult Mm -hmm. thing. In fact, in the office today, I've got six international teams working on six different XPRIZES, on cybersecurity, on Alzheimer's, on air pollution on abundant clean energy and Mm -hmm. they're going to be working for five months designing their prize concepts the structures what are the rules Mm -hmm. and the rules are the dna of a prize Mm -hmm. if the rules are wrong the prize is going to fail if the prize is too simple and everyone's able to surpass the threshold then it's not really useful Mm -hmm. if it's so hard that no one gets close it's not really useful so we really have to hit that target very clearly and hope that a prize has a winner. Mm -hmm. And I always say, listen, if we're not launching prizes that don't have winners, we're not trying hard enough. Mm -hmm. So we've had one prize out of eight that we've canceled. Mm -hmm. And until then, we've had not 20 winners, but a winner, maybe a couple of winners for every prize. So, so far, so good. Yeah, uh, We have an amazing team, 120 people here at XPRIZE headquarters in Culver City who understand the theory and do the work. Yeah. Just a historical reference, Peter, because the one that really triggered you was the Lindbergh flight from East Coast United States to Paris. And that, first of all, again, there were a lot of contestants who went into that particular prize. It was, I believe, $25,000 in $1927, so yeah. a lot of money today. But it literally created the transatlantic passenger service shortly after Lindbergh completed his flight. Within a year or so, there was this massive interest in flying the Atlantic, consumer demand for that. So. That was one that I know really triggered. And then your very famous one of how the British discovered how to measure longitude when they were experiencing massive losses in their international trade because ship captains could measure latitude, but they couldn't measure longitude. And there needed to be a solution to that. And they went the prize way to actually get the solution. Yeah, lots of great prizes. And, you know, they go back, 1714 was the Longitude Prize. The mid-1800s, Napoleon had a prize for preserving food that was won by a French candy maker who invented the canning process. And then, like you said, Raymond Ortegue offered up $25,000 in 1919 that was ultimately won by Charles Lindbergh in 1927. And Lindbergh was the most unlikely guy to pull it off. He had been only flying for two years. The most significant people, Admiral Byrd, who had flown to the North Pole and others, 
failed miserably. A number of people died trying to cross the Atlantic. This 25,000 bucks stood until 1927. And when Lindbergh made the flight and went from Roosevelt Field in New York to Le Berger in Paris, he became the most famous human on the planet. And the, what was incredible was within 18 months of his flight, he did something that was so dramatic, so unheard of. He was so heroic that he inspired people and the number of airplanes tripled, the number of pilots quadrupled, and it really sparked the aviation industry in a huge way. Let me talk about how you see this commercializing because ultimately it has to go out into the best way to get any new innovation in the world. I'm talking about the tricorder here is that you have people who are entrepreneurial who create the products and it's sold, but there's also foundations that will see this as a phenomenal solution to their mission statement. Anything related to improving world health will be there. But from your sense of when you have something like this, how does it get dispersed around the world? Today or next week, you have the winner Great question. So I just am very lucky to have brought in a new CEO at XPRIZE. I went from chairman and CEO to founder, executive chairman, and hired a guy, Marcus Shingles. Marcus is the CEO here. He's been on for about a year. He's one of my best friends, and we have a great partnership. And he's done an interesting restructuring of the organization. And what we do here now is we have four pillars. And let me just take a second to describe them because I think they're very important. Pillar one is a pillar focused on roadmaps. So what we're doing is we're saying in a particular area, like the environment or like housing, two roadmaps we're kicking off this year. We have a sponsor that funds that. It's a two and a half million dollar donation they make. And we do the work to evaluate over the next 20 to 30 years, that's sort of the time horizon. What are the breakthroughs that we need technologically or in other areas to really focus on the environment or house the next billion people. And so we may come up with, in this roadmap, 10 different breakthroughs required. And those breakthroughs go to our second pillar, which is our prize design. Mm -hmm. Our third pillar is prize operations. And our fourth pillar is impact. Mm -hmm. And so we really are beginning to shift the focus from an organization that's just running a prize to get to a solution to an organization that's running a prize, getting a solution, and then driving the impact around the world. Mm-hmm. So for the Qualcomm Tricorder X Prize, we're going to be making announcements on April 12th of like a dozen different commitments that are being made for putting the tricorders out into the field, into commercial distribution, into museums, into just to change the perspective and people's expectations. Because I think it's not just about creating the technology. The technology exists without the marketing organization, without the regulatory support, without the capital to back it. It's just useless technology. Well, is that going to be set up on a competitive basis too? Um, <laughs> if you have 12, is there an impact price? <laughs> well, maybe eventually, but right now it's taking the winner or could be winners and really making sure that there's a agile, frictionless mechanism to get them out there. Yeah. On another podcast, I'd like to go deeply into Bold Venture Fund, which you 
and your team created, but which Babs and I are investor members of. But one of the things is the EKG the monitor, you know, which... A live core, yeah. Yeah, my cardiologist was just thrilled with it because cardiologists, for the most part, deal in mountaintops from checkups. In other words, they see a mountaintop, then they don't see you for a long time, and then they see another mountaintop, and they compare mountaintops, but they have no notion of what the valleys are, what's happening between mountaintops. There was just an instant saying, oh my golly, you know, it's like they're gifted and they have instincts and everything else, but for the most part, they don't have data. And this gives you data anytime you want the data. It's telemedicine. It's simply being beamed. The physician will have a monitor for you and can go in and actually look at what's just happened to you on a daily basis. I mean, this whole area, I mean, there's probably endless number of prizes that would relate to telemedicine of not having people have to go to hospitals unless it's absolutely strategically necessary, you know. Yeah, it's definitely all going to save lives, save a lot of anxiety, a lot of wasted time. It's going to be awesome. When I think about all of these technologies, it's about the convergence of different technologies. And here it's the convergence very much of sensors Mm -hmm. and AI and bandwidth that's coming together and large data sets that's enabling this. So Dan, as we come to the close here, I have a proposal for our next podcast that would be fun. It's something that you've talked to me about, and it's the notion that because there's so much data, that AI might be able to make better predictions than humans. And especially, you know, we just came out of a very controversial U.S. election where the winner predicted winner didn't win. But it turns out there was an AI predicting all along that Donald Trump would win. I mean, you were making that prediction as well. Maybe you guys looking at the same data. Mm-hmm. If you're up for it, let's talk about in a world of infinite data where you can measure anything and everything and AIs can look at it. How is that going to change the world when you can predict who's going to be elected or who's going to win sporting competitions? That could be a fun conversation. Mm-hmm. That's up my alley because ever since I was a kid, I've tried to become a better predictor of things. I'll have to tell you what my data points were when we do that on the election. I had three data points that I actually used to make the prediction, but we'll do that on the next podcast. Anyway, a pleasure as always to spend time with you, my friend. See you soon.